You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Exodus chapter number four, Exodus chapter number four, and then we're going to read also a couple of verses at Exodus chapter number five. It's been good to be here already this evening, and thank you for making this a part of your year this year and attending our national youth conference. And the crowd was good when we went back, and then we came out and it was even better. People came in and filled this place up, and thank you so much for being here. And I believe these days are very important days. Not just days where we just get together, and we said this in our church last night, just to fill time and put something on the calendar. But I believe God wants to speak to our hearts in these days, and we're asking God to do great things. And I'm excited for a youth conference. Really, my first time ever coming to this church was for a youth conference several, several years ago now, and was able to preach. I'd never been here before. I'd preached other places in California. And when I preached that meeting, I had no idea what God would do. And I had no idea that God would uh, weave our uh, hearts together like that and then lead us here to be uh, here in this place. But I'm glad that he did. And God's done amazing things. And I'm praying God will meet with us. I thank God for Brother Flood. Had he done a good job with this conference? And uh, he took this on. And he's really done most of the legwork, if not all of it. And uh, thank you, Brother Flood, for all the prayer and all the effort. And thank God for what he's done. I'm looking forward to hearing the other preachers preach. And there's some great preachers that will be here and preaching this week. And it's good to have Pastor Joseph Brown here and Pastor Swanson here. And they're my friends. And I like them because you don't have to stir them up or crank them up. They're, they come that way. And I like that. And Pastor Stroud will come. And uh, he's been in the airport all day today. And he'll get in late. He was supposed to get in early. And his flight got delayed. He spent nine hours in the Atlanta airport. So you know he'll be ticked off, and that'll be good. That makes for good preaching. And so he'll preach tomorrow morning, and he'll probably preach against all of us tomorrow, and that'll be great. Thank you to you youth workers that have come, and you pastors, and you leaders, and thank you most of all for not changing. And thank you for just continuing on. Thank you for not uh, blurring the lines and just being faithful to God and investing in the lives of your young people. And then thank you young people for not being a problem to your youth worker. Amen. And not questioning and trying to put pressure on them to dip the sail. But thank you for just wanting what they have. And just follow God. And I'm praying God will do great things. Exodus chapter 4. If you're able to stand, please stand with me as we read the Word of God tonight. And we'll read verse number 22. And then we're going to read the first two verses at Exodus chapter number 5. And uh, tonight as I preach, here, here's what would encourage me a whole lot. If some of you men would say amen every once in a while, that'd really encourage me. And uh, if the men aren't going to do it, it wouldn't even hurt my feelings if the ladies did it, as long as somebody does it. And uh, it won't embarrass me. It might embarrass you. Now, it's on video, so if you shout too much, we'll have record of it, and we'll hold it over your head the rest of your life. So you'll have to, you'll have to if, you, if you say amen tonight, you've got to say it the next time we have service, and then next week as well. But it won't scare me if you want to do that. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 22. Look what the Bible says. This is God speaking to Moses. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. I'm just going to stop there for now. And God is giving Moses specific instructions. He says, I have determined it's time for my people to leave bondage and head to Canaan land. They've been long enough slaves to Pharaoh. No more. He said, I'm tired of it. I purpose to set them free. 
Moses, I've raised you up and I've decided to use you, determined to use you to be the catalyst of this exodus out of Egypt. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to march into Egypt, go into the palace of Pharaoh, look that fleshly king in the eye and say, hey, there's a king higher than you. And he said, I want you to announce to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord. Now you come to verse number one of chapter five and look at what your Bible said. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Now I would think just reading that if we stopped at verse one, Pharaoh would hurriedly, would quickly comply. If I heard from somebody that God had something to tell me, that there was a word from the Lord and it was directed at me, it wouldn't take a whole lot of arm twisting or coaching or coaxing to get me to comply with whatever it is God wanted me to do. And then I read verse number two, and to be honest with you, it kind of shocked me at first, and I kind of get a little angry with Pharaoh. Yeah. I see it in verse number two. It said, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Then this convicted me. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. At first I thought that Pharaoh was kind of posturing before God and kind of thumbing his nose at God and saying, who's God? I don't have to pay attention to him. But the more I read it and thought about it, Pharaoh is being honest. I have no idea who in the world you're talking about. The Lord, he said, I know all these hundreds of false gods we worship in Egypt. In fact, Pharaoh himself was a god to the Egyptians. I understand little g gods, but I've never heard anybody called the Lord. I wonder, if you read the rest of this chapter, they don't get set free. Their suffering is, is increased. It gets worse. I wonder if those 400 years could have been different. I wonder if chapter 5 could have been different. If some of those other plagues could have been avoided, I don't know. But I wonder how different it could have been had Pharaoh heard, thus saith the Lord, before that verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. I wonder how different our day would be. Our generation, our country, our public schools, our places of commerce, our world. How different would it be if the world outside of these doors knew a little bit more about who our Lord is? For a little while this evening, I want to kick off our conference, and I won't preach very long, but I want to kick off the meeting and preach on this thought. Somebody had better get serious about what God has to say. Yep. Somebody better get serious about what God has to say. Let's pray. God, I pray for your power. God, I pray for liberty to preach. I pray that you'd help these young people. We've had fun and been entertained, and it's been a great spirit. But I pray right now that you'd let us focus in on heaven. And I pray that you'd speak to every heart. And I pray for liberty, please, and power to preach. Do something in the life of some young man or some young lady, some adult, and it'll be worth it all. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen? You can be seated. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse number 4 says this, Where the word of a king is, there is power. I was studying and I read a historian, and this historian was commenting on the downfall of nations and he said, whenever a nation falls, that nation becomes endangered when its people lose all respect for authority. And that's a very serious thought, isn't it? It's a very troubling truth that a nation is in trouble 
when its people lose all respect for authority. You know tonight that God is the author of authority. In fact, God is the only one that does not have authority on loan. God is the creator of authority. Every other authority in your life has delegated authority. God is the author of authority. But on the flip side of that, the devil is the author of anarchy. Tonight, where there is no authoritative voice in a nation, that nation is going to fall. The same is true in other areas of life as well. When there's no authoritative voice in a home, that home is going to fall. When there is no authoritative voice in a church, that church is going to fall. Whether it be a nation, a home, or a church, when there's an absence of or a lack of an awareness of an authoritative voice, that nation, that church, that home is in a very dangerous place. Sadly, I believe we live in a day where authority is under attack. Nothing seems as offensive in our generation as an authoritative voice. You already know this, but we live in a time of tolerance. We live in a day where you can do what you please and there's no consequences for what you do. We live in a moment where we define things that are definite with indefinite terms. Everything is given a fluid and a changing definition. For example, in our day, you have no right to give any kind of authoritative statement on what a man is or what a woman is. In fact, the most recent addition to our Supreme Court was not even able, because she's not a biologist, was not able to give us a good definition of what a woman is. I think you could go up in the balcony right now and talk to my five-year-old son, and he could probably help that Supreme Court justice out and tell you exactly what a woman is. You have no grounds in our day to lay any kind of boundaries of morality. You have no right to say that a baby in the womb of its mother is a person. But not just a baby in the womb. Even after birth, that baby in its bassinet, you can't say with authority that that baby is a human. You can't be sure about anything except for the fact that nothing is sure anymore. Here's what I mean. Truth is now situational. Ethics are now situational. Principles is situational. Morality is situational. Justice is situational. History is revised. Marriage is redefined. Gender is reassigned. Monuments and schools in our history is revised. The church is being revolutionized and rethought and redesigned to be more, more relevant to our generation. Everything is fluid. Everyone is given to change. Everything is open to private interpretation. And all of this is because there's a silent void in our generation that is unfulfilled by an authoritative voice. That's how you can have a pride month all throughout the month of June. That's how you can have marches through the major cities of our country and destroy property without any ramifications. That's why there's such an attack against authority from the police department to the parents in your home to the pastor of your church because there is no authoritative voice in our country. There's a sea of trumpets in our hour and just about all of them play an uncertain sound. They blast their notes in the ears of our generation, but none of them sound any kind of a clear call to a concrete position. Where's the word of a king? The Bible said where the word of a king is, there is power. But where there is no authoritative voice or word, there's perversity and peril and destruction. Without an authoritative voice, man will make himself his own authority. 
And then he'll do that which is right in his own eyes. And sadly, you'll find that this void in our day has led our nation. And it's amazing to me how our nation is so educationally advanced and so culturally advanced and so filled with financing and things of that nature. And yet we have less of a moral compass and any kind of direction than an animal out in the barnyard at the farm. We're watching the foundation of our nation be destroyed because our nation is not being called to acknowledge an authority. We see the homes of America decaying because our homes are not being called to acknowledge an authoritative voice. We're witnessing the diluting and depleting of our churches because our churches are not being reminded there's an authoritative voice. We have our television that fills our home with the voices of politicians and athletes and entertainers. We have our media that fills our homes and our ears with the voices of celebrities and influencers and pop icons. We have our texts and our emails, and that fills our minds with voices of our peers and opinions and solicitations for business. But where's the word of a king in our hour? Where's the word of power? Where's that authoritative voice ringing out in the atmosphere of America? Where's the cry from a throne that can shape and stabilize and steer our generation? I don't know how much worse it might get in America. I don't know how many more mass shootings we're going to have to endure. I don't know how many more lingering diseases will afflict our nation. I don't know how many more of our liberties are going to be taken away. I don't know how many addicts are going to be created. How many more drunks are going to be birthed in our society. I don't know how much higher inflation is going to rise. And I don't know how much lower our bank accounts will go. And I don't know how many more babies will be murdered by our doctors. I don't know how many more bleeding heart liberals will put persecution on the doorstep of the church. I don't know how any more young people will mutilate their bodies on taxpayers' dollars. I don't know. I don't know how many more mission fields are going to be vacated. I don't know how many more pulpits are going to be emptied. I don't know how many more Bible colleges are going to have to shut their doors. I don't know how much darker it's going to get in the days ahead. But my burden tonight is not how bad it's going to get. My burden is how bad it is already in America. I'm not real concerned with what lies ahead. I'm concerned with what I see right now. You say, well, won't you get a burden about how bad it's going to be? No. Why don't you get a burden about how bad it is? I think Christianity did a lot better when it majored on prayer meetings and rock altars and brush harbors and on fun and fellowship and fitting in. Today, everything is so soft and so light and so shallow. The average Christian is tuned into every voice under the sun, and our generation is dying for a word that comes from someplace higher than our sun. There is nothing the president can say that's going to remedy our nation. There's nothing a celebrity can say that's going to save our generation. There's nothing an athlete can say that's going to fix our problem. But there's a word. There is a word tonight. There's a word that the Christian can say that could turn the tide in our generation. My burden this evening is this, that God would give us someone in this hour that gets serious about what God has to say. Tonight, I want you to know our God is alive and well. Our God is alive. He's aware. He's active in this hour. He is not tongue-tied, nor does he have locked jaw. He still speaks, and I'm glad I know his voice. I'm glad there's still a word from the Lord, but my question is, when's the last time you heard his 
voice? When's the last time he spoke to you? When's the last time his voice echoed in the chamber of your heart where the word of a king is? There is power, but where there is no word of a king, so much destruction. I'm settled tonight that our only hope as a nation, the only hope for our homes, the only hope for our churches is that somebody would get serious about what God has to say. Here in Exodus chapter 5, Moses enters Pharaoh's palace. For the first time in over 40 years, he goes back to Pharaoh's palace with Aaron by his side. God's man walks into the presence of Egypt's king, and Pharaoh's more than just the ruler of Egypt. He's the oppressor of the people of God. It must have been a shaking thing for Moses to go into that venue. He spent four decades on the backside of the desert in the middle of nowhere, and now he's surrounded by all the shimmering splendor of the courts of Egypt. That Egyptian empire stretched out before him. He'd said no thank you to those we uh, that uh, wealth and riches uh, a few decades ago, but now he's back. Moses has come to Pharaoh, sent by God to stand for his nation for too long, God's people had suffered in bondage and now God purposed to set his people free. If you study in the end of chapter 4, you find that God gives Moses a message and then Moses goes and meets with all of the elders of the nation of Israel. Can you imagine in those last verses as those men met together, it must have stirred their soul to hear that God had raised up somebody that would remind Pharaoh about what God has to say. I can see as they sit there and Moses tells them about the burning bush and he says there's a word from the Lord and then they show them the miracles that God empowered Moses to perform Moses has a message and his message is not going to be here's what the elders have to say it's not going to be here's what Aaron has to say but God says Moses here's your message you go in there to Pharaoh lay your finger on his snout and say here's what God has to say about the situation I can see as Moses enters into that courtroom Pharaoh sits upon his throne. There's gold and silver, all kinds of precious things there. But thank God, the most precious thing in that room that day was a word from the Lord. In verse number one, it says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. I like that. He didn't say, Pharaoh, here's what the leaders of Israel have to say. He didn't say, here's what Abraham has to say. He didn't say, here's what Isaac has to say. He didn't say, here's what Jacob has to say. They didn't need to hear from man. He said, here's what God has to say. And I'd say Pharaoh thought, what in the world? I've heard of gods, but I've never heard of a god. Egypt had its little list of gods they'd made with their own hands. They filled their temples. They wore them around their neck as jewels. They sat on their mantles. They adorned their homes. But he'd never heard of anyone called the Lord. But this was no dead god. Moses is not inter 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 introducing Pharaoh to some God made of stone or some God made of wood. He's introducing him to the I am. This was the Lord. Moses was making it known that Jehovah, the God of Israel, knows what Pharaoh's been up to and it's time to let his people go. It's interesting to me that Moses uses that name for God, the name Jehovah. That's the name of the covenant-keeping God. He's revealing to Pharaoh We've got a God who made us a promise a long time ago, and God always keeps his promises. God hadn't forgotten his children. Now I begin to read that, and I thought, surely if Pharaoh heard a word like that, 
He let God's people go. I mean, if you would think about it, a man comes to town and says, God told me to tell you this. You'd think he'd change his ways and get right in a hurry and let God's people go. I mean, this wasn't just some shepherd from Midian posturing before Pharaoh. This was a man sent from God with a word from the Lord. Now, I began to read this. And if we stopped in verse 1, you just assume, well, Pharaoh let God's people go. But that's not what happened. You read on, and the Bible tells us that in verse number 2, there's no indication that Pharaoh was worried at all. There's no indication that Pharaoh trembled or was troubled. There's no indication that Pharaoh even had a hint of repentance in his heart. There's no inkling that he was bothered by what Moses said. In fact, look what he said in verse 2. It's convicting. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Moses had thrown down the gauntlet. He said, God has said, let his people go. But instead of bowing to the request of God, Pharaoh comes back to Moses with a question. It's a question not so much filled with pride, but just in honesty, not in arrogance, but just not knowing. He said, who in the world is the Lord? I've never heard of him. What's it matter to me what he has to say? Who is the Lord? Now, when I first read that, it made me mad at Pharaoh. I thought, what a punk. I mean, what in the world? Who do you mean, who is the Lord? I mean, you could stop right there and preach from now till tomorrow on who he is. I mean, we could run the list from, from the Alpha all the way to the Omega and fill in the gaps of who the Lord is. I mean, the Lord, Almighty God, He's all-powerful. We could run the list. Pharaoh knew his gods. He had his fair share of gods. He had gods with the face of a frog and the face of a bull. Pharaoh himself, I said, was esteemed as a god. They worshipped the mother of heaven, a god in Egypt. They had m many, many gods, but Pharaoh did not know the Lord. He knew culture, but not the Lord. He knew paganism, but not the Lord. He knew his philosophy, but he didn't know the Lord. And he looked at Moses and said, I'm not going to let God's people go. I don't even know who God is. Now, when I first read that, I'll say it again, it kind of made me aggravated at Pharaoh, but then it kind of made me aggravated at us. Because the Holy Spirit of God got me hung up on the phrase, thus saith the Lord. Now, if you study that phrase, do a search of it in your Bible, you're probably familiar with the phrase because the phrase is found 415 times in the King James Bible. Every book of the Bible almost you find, thus saith the Lord. I began to run that reference throughout my Bible, such a familiar phrase, and I studied it out, thus saith the Lord, 415 times, and I began to see who used the phrase, and I studied it out. In Joshua's day, Joshua said it, thus saith the Lord. In the book of Judges, it was preached, thus saith the Lord. Uh, when a man of God visited Eli, here's what he said, thus saith the Lord. Nathan pointed out David's sin, and he declared, thus saith the Lord. Elijah preached it, thus saith the Lord. Elisha preached it, thus saith the Lord. A man spoke to Hilkiah and said, thus saith the Lord. David declared it to Israel, thus saith the Lord. Are you getting the idea? Jeremiah wept and he said, thus saith the Lord. Isaiah cried out and said, thus saith the Lord. Zechariah cried out and prophesied, thus saith the Lord. And not 10 times or 20 times or 200 times, but over 400 times in the Bible is the phrase, thus saith the Lord. But if you run the reference the first time it's mentioned is in chapter 4 of Exodus. And when it's mentioned in verse 22 of chapter 4, it falls from the lips of God to the ears of Moses. 
God says to Moses, here's what you tell Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord. But what convicted me was the first time it fell from the lips of a man to another man was in Exodus 5. No one had ever preached, thus saith the Lord. Nobody had testified, thus saith the Lord. Nobody was singing, thus saith the Lord. Nobody was shouting, thus saith the Lord. There was no prophet reminding his generation of what God had to say about anything. For 400 years, the Hebrews had been in bondage there in Egypt. They'd been making bricks for Pharaoh. They'd been beaten and wrapped in chains and suffered in the slime of the brickyards. They cried out in affliction and cried out in oppression, but there's no record that they cried out, thus saith the Lord. And I've got to ask the question, how different might it have been had there been a little bit more testifying of what God had to say over those 400 years? What if there'd been some men of God crying out, Here's what God has to say. What if there have been some fathers at home saying, here's what God has to say. What if there have been some mothers telling their children, here's what God has to say. What if there have been some faithful men shouting it, hey, here's what God has to say. What if there be some teenagers testifying, here's what God has to say. How different could it have been if somebody somewhere had been serious about what God had to say? What if somebody would have said, hey, that's not right. God has something to say about it. Hey, that's wrong. God has another opinion. Hey, I don't agree with that. Here's what God has to say. If you read the rest of the chapter, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. But could that not have been missed had Pharaoh heard earlier? Here's what God has to say. I mean, what if somebody would have said, hey, listen, God has something to say about alcohol. God has something to say about you drinking liquor. I know it's accepted and I know it's culture. I don't care if you drink it from a brown paper bag in a back alley or a nice chalice in some country club. It's out of hell and against the Bible. Hey, God's got something to say. I don't care if it's endorsed by a university that says it's Christian. I don't care if it's promoted on your favorite talk show. It's not right. It's sin. God has something to say. God has something to say about abortion. We preached that over here a few Wednesdays ago, Psalm 139. He knew us before we were. You've got to be crazy to tell me that these same bleeding heart liberals want to save whales and kill, my, uh, uh, kill babies, amen. They'd find single-cell amoeba on Mars and declare life and find a fully developed baby in the womb of his mother and say it's fetal tissue. God has something to say about that. God has something to say about nakedness. Most folks who don't wear enough clothes to cover themselves up are the people who ought to be wearing the most clothes, by the way. Let me plug that real quick. Stick these Baptist deacons in the summer on the riding lawnmower in no shirt and cut off blue jeans. Looks like a walrus on a lawnmower going down the road. God help us. The girls thought I was going to preach against them. God's got something to say about lying. God's got something to say about lukewarmness. God's got something to say about dope. God's got something to say about pride and perversity. What if there had been a voice crying out in that day? Hey, God's got something to say about it. Now, let me say before you, you ask me again, uh, do you really think it's that bad? Yeah, I think it's that bad. And I'm not really concerned tonight about how bad it's going to get. I'm worried about how bad it is already. Don't you think it's about time somebody got serious about what thus saith the Lord? How much further down the road do we have to go before somebody gets a burden about 
about this thing? How much further down the road do you have to go before some young man takes a stand? How much bad, how much worse does that have to get before some lady will surrender her life to God? Don't you think we're far enough down the road? Nations are in danger when they have no respect for authority. Churches are in danger when there's no respect for authority. A home is in danger when there's no respect for authority. It's time we call America back to an authoritative voice. God is still on his throne. He is still the king of this earth. He's still the Lord of lords and the Lord of glory. I don't care what they say. God is alive and well and he's in control. There is a word from God. Somebody better get serious about what he has to say. Think about this. The tragedy of no, thus saith the Lord. Number one, here's what happened. They had no fullness. Because they were in Egypt and not in Canaan. They weren't supposed to be in Egypt. They were supposed to be in Canaan. Canaan land's a type of the spirit-filled life. I tell you what happens when a nation, a generation, a church, whatever, gets away from what God has to say. You lose the power of God. I really want to walk around down there, but I know it's not good for the TV crowd. No fullness, but what about this? There was no fundamentalist. You see, what do you mean? You study it out. Those 400 years, there's really no mention of any kind of blood sacrifices going on in Egypt. In fact, that was part of the reason God was bringing them out so they could go back and sacrifice a lamb. You look at verse number 3, they go offer a feast. God saying, I was really wanting my people to get back to obeying the Bible. You know what happens when there's no thus saith the Lord? There's no Bible-believing Christians. There's no fundamentalists anymore. That's why you look around at our nation and what we call a sorry excuse for a church on the average in America is about as far away from a church as a billy goat is from a professional ball player. Amen. I mean, you get up in a church and preach. You say, I got an inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect Bible. And people get tight. Say, my King James Bible is a perfect book. Oh, people get quiet. They get tight. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Oh, that's not real tolerant, is it? It's just truth. Amen. He died for the whole world, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. He didn't die for a few. He died for all. Calvinism's out of hell. Say amen right there. No fundamentalist. The local church is God's preeminent institution. It's not church at the crib or church on the couch or church at the coffee shop. It's church. Amen. There's no fundamentalist. Then there was no fear. Pharaoh didn't care about what God had to say. But why would he? Why would the, the, the pervert, weird crowd, why would, why would they think twice about what they do? They don't know who God is. They have their little working definition of a God they fabricated in their mind, but they don't know the God of the Bible. Now, we like to, I said last night, curse the darkness, but if, if the light went out, we let the light go out. But I like this. You look at the first thing I said, the tragedy of no, thus saith the Lord. But I'm glad God trusted someone with thus saith the Lord. God called out Moses and said, Moses, I'm going to entrust this to you to carry this to that generation, to let them know there's a God in heaven. Thus saith the Lord. That's what God does in a meeting like this. He calls out somebody who's willing to get called out. The call of God is broad. I mean, God's already called all of us to be soul winners. But God's looking for someone who's willing to step out and say, you know what, by the grace of God, I'll carry that for my generation. Thus saith the Lord. 
I'll tell you what I wish we could get is a, 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 an army of preachers out of a meeting like this. Yep, yep. It seems like we almost preach against that and we try to make excuse for it. Now, we need Christians everywhere. We need Christians everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we need Christians in the veterinary clinic and Christians at the pool hall or whatever. I think we need Christian men in the pulpit. There are far more churches without a preacher than we have preachers to send. There are empty church buildings everywhere. Amen. We're we're worried about. I'm going to go. I'm going to go plant this church. Why don't you listen? There's so many churches that need replanted, restarted. Why don't you consider the will of God? Isn't it amazing how God called Moses? You say, well, Moses was better off than I am. Yet he was a murderer. Hiding out on the backside of the desert, incognito Hebrew for 40 years. Amen. Not living for God. Not, it doesn't say anything about him following the ways. Just on the backside of the desert. And God used him like that. You know what that means? God could use you like that. Or any of you young men on this row or any of you in this building tonight. We need someone who will preach thus saith God. I tell you, there's nothing better than being an old-fashioned preacher. I love it. I mean, I enjoy it. I like it. I like it even when nobody else enjoys it. This is the only time and only place I get to have any fun. Church. That's all we get to do. I mean, we don't drink. We don't smoke. Most of us don't rub snuff. Some of the girls probably do. But, I mean, most of us don't do that. I mean, this is all the fun we get to have, you know. So I just have fun preaching. I love it. I can't believe God lets me preach. I'm glad I didn't meet this crowd before I got saved. If I'd met you before I got saved, you'd have run the other direction. You'd have been, you'd been like, who in the world is that? I mean, I didn't look like this. I didn't talk like this. I didn't act like this. I mean, I always looked this good, but I didn't look dress like this. I mean, it's just different. I'm glad I didn't meet you before I got saved. It's amazing that God in his grace would allow me to preach his Bible. I mean, I can't believe it. There's nothing bigger, nothing better. It's higher than being a president or a king. It's better than being a millionaire. Can I tell you something? If God's dealing with your heart about preaching, I want to challenge you. Hey, don't put that thing off. Be a God-called preacher. We need you. You could be this generation's Billy Sunday. You could be a D.L. Moody or a Charles Spurgeon. You could be a Lester Roloff or an Oliver B. Green. You could do something to turn this nation back to God. You say, well, people won't like me. Well, suck your thumb and go on for God anyhow and preach the Bible. I just tell you, hey, it's amazing that God would entrust somebody with thus saith the Lord. Here's what I wonder. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? If you don't go, who's going to go? If you don't preach it, who's going to preach it? If you don't surrender, who's going to surrender? I'm talking about you. Right now, the Holy Spirit of God dealing in your heart. You say, I wonder if he's talking about me. Ding, I'm talking about you. If God's dealing with you, you got to surrender and say, hey, thus saith the Lord in my generation. And it works, by the way, because the last thing you see is the results of thus saith the Lord. You know what happened? God set his people free. Through the message, thus saith the Lord, the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost. Pharaoh let God's people go. Then Pharaoh hardened his heart again, chased him down, and then he got a bath in the Red Sea that he never got over. From thus saith the Lord. I wish that you would see it, and maybe you do see it. I pray that you see it how dangerous we are on this tipping point in our country. I mean, how, we, how we're just teetering on the edge in America. And it's not playtime. Lister Roloff used to sing the song, it's a battlefield, brother. Not a recreation room, it's a fight and not a game. He said, run if you want to, run if you will, but by the grace of God, I came here to stay. And I wonder who'll sign up tonight and say, you know what, I'm going to get serious about what God has to say. This is a kickoff for the meeting Usually on the first night, a little more apprehensive. But wouldn't it be good just to respond and get whatever it is in your heart settled tonight so the rest of the meeting God could just have his way and move in a great, marvelous way?
I wonder if there's a young man who says, you know what, I'm going to get serious about what God has to say. Some young lady, I'll get serious about what God has to say. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.